this is a, a family story, and so if you uh, we're blessed to have my little sister in the front row. So if you hear what the fuck, <laughs> then that's an indication that a factual error has occurred. <laughs> So um, my Grandpa Joe was an incredible person. He was an amazing grandfather. Uh, he wasn't a large man. He was about five foot tall. And as the story goes, that was about the perfect height in World War II to be a rear gunner in a torpedo plane serving in the, the Pacific. And so he was drafted into the Navy, became a, a rear gunner in a, an Avenger torpedo plane, and he served on the USS Enterprise, the most decorated warship in the history of the United States Navy. And again, as the story goes, he was shot down three times, survived two of his pilots, and survived the war. And one summer, I awoke in my Aunt Nancy's Walla Walla farmhouse to see a light in the kitchen. And I looked at my watch, and it was about midnight, which is kind of odd to see a light in Aunt Nancy's kitchen at, after midnight, because this family's like typical Walla Walla farming, and everybody goes to bed about 10. And I was in a bit of a haze, the kind of haze that uh, you get after polishing off a case of beer with Uncle Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> so I got up, did my duty in the, in the restroom, and came back out and went in the kitchen to see what was going on. And my father was sitting there. And it's an old Walla Walla house. And there was a, a laminate kitchen table with uh, the aluminum around the, the sides, and my father was sitting there. Now, my dad's a career Marine Corps officer, and he never, ever stayed up past 10. But he was sitting there looking through some papers, and I went and sat down, and a little bit inebriated, and said, what the fuck are you doing up? <laughs> and he said, well, I got your, your grandfather's service record. So I decided to go through it, and I don't think everything your grandfather told me was true. I, again, inebriated. Didn't really understand exactly what he was trying to tell me, but I was excited to see my grandfather's record. I mean, this was an amazing man that I'd grown up with these stories of him being a great war hero. And so to see it on paper was <clears throat> something I'd look forward to my entire life. So I asked if I could see it, and he slid it across the table. And he didn't say much after that. So I started flipping through the, the papers. And it's kind of funny, because him telling me that he didn't think that the stories my grandfather had told us were true um, 
didn't ring really true with me because we really hadn't talked about my grandfather. We hadn't talked about his relationship with his father. We didn't really talk about much. And it was a year before that that he was yelling at me, telling me that I was too drunk to help him with my grandfather's obituary. So the night that I had woken up and found my father in the kitchen, we had just spread my grandfather's ashes in the Blue Mountains out in eastern Washington. And a year before, I remember waking up on a hospital floor. I had spent the evening at the local brew pub, passed out on the hospital floor, and if anybody ever wants to like spend the night on a hospital floor. It's kind of cold. <laughs> and I remember waking up and to this nurse kind of shaking me and telling me, you need to go find your family. Your grandfather's passing now. And I was a little groggy. But when she said, you have like minutes, I remember snapping too. I was sober as, as though I hadn't had a drink in the past week. And I got up and I started running out the door, but then I stopped because I didn't want to leave my grandfather alone. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting that I could remember the peeing of the machine sitting next to him. And within the few seconds that I was standing there, the peen gets slower and slower and slower. So I walked around the bed, took my grandfather by the hand, bent over, gave him a kiss on his forehead. And then without thinking, I just knelt down beside him. And I pressed his hand to my forehead, and it was cold. But the machine kept going ping, so he was still alive. And I began to say the Lord's Prayer. And I don't know why I started saying that. I mean, he wasn't religious, and I wasn't religious. But it was the only thing I could think to say. And the nurse was standing in the doorway saying, you know, your family's still here. Some of them went to get breakfast, some of them went to make phone calls, and I happened to be the only one that was fucked up drunk on the floor. <laughs> and he was going. So I said the Lord's Prayer, and then the machine stopped peeing. And the nurse was sitting there, and she turned off the machine as though, you know, she knew that that moment was coming. And so I figured I had to run off and go find the rest of my family. But at least, you know, somebody was there when he passed away. And it was the first person that, you know, I, I had grandparents die, but they were always away. And that was the first person I ever had to sit and watch die. And he was an incredible person. Uh, he was 
salt of the earth. He didn't have much, but he always had a garden in the back that he religiously tended to. And he was a farmhand out in Walla Walla after serving in World War II. And my cousin Tony and I used to go out there in the summer and go to work with him on the farm. And I remember he was always up like at four o'clock in the morning. And this man taught me how to make breakfast. There was like no tofu shit going on in Walla Walla. <laughs> so breakfast when you're going to work on the farm in Walla Walla was you take an entire package of, of bacon, throw it into a cast iron skillet, and you just cook it. And then as soon as like the bacon looks, looks done, then you pull it out, and then you just crack a dozen eggs inside. They sink below the level of the grease of the bacon. <laughs> they get all fluffy and tasty. And then you just make some toast, and that's your breakfast. And then we'd go to work with my grandfather on the farm, and we'd you know, do miscellaneous stuff. We'd grease combines. We'd go feed the dogs. We'd walk around the farm. But he always had lunch for us, and we'd go sit down in the in one of the barns, and he'd pull out this box, and he always had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know, it's peanut butter that was made from the store, and then jam that he'd made himself, and then like three jars that he'd set in front of us, and one was like strawberry preserves, canned green beans, and dill pickles. <laughs> And when you're nine years old and you're eating a peanut butter jelly sandwich and eating dill pickles with it, you know, that's sounds kind of gross, but when you're on the farm, that's what you eat. He taught me how to shoot a gun and chew tobacco and drink beer and eat peas at the same time. <laughs> so we were we went out to go shooting. My dad had some red man chewing tobacco, and my cousin Tony and I thought that was great. And so we took some, and we were nine years old, never had chewed before, and started getting violently ill. And my grandpa said, you know, here, this will take care of you. So nine years old, you know, chugging a, an Olympia beer. Please. Please do not drink Olympia beer. <laughs> so nine years old, chewing some red man, chugging the Olympia, and then being drunk, nauseous, and what else can you do? But Grandpa showed up with a handful of pea pods. Here, this will take care of you. And then we went shooting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, when I said goodbye to my father, when I said the Lord's Prayer, and that was a hole that was being created in my life. That was somebody I knew without a doubt, no matter whether I called him or saw him, he loved me. I didn't have to ask any questions. He was always happy to hear from me. So for my father to be sitting there at this table telling me that the stories that 
my grandfather had told us might not be true. Now, my father was the oldest son. He was the patriarch of the family. He was the one that got out of Walla Walla. He was the one that became the Marine Corps officer. <clears throat> Whatever he said and decided was what the family did. He was the patriarch. It's kind of interesting in the day that uh, we don't really have patriarchs or matriarchs much anymore. And for my father to be telling me this kind of just threw me off. And he was asking me, being the career member officer that he is, that he couldn't see it in these papers, that he didn't believe it. And while he was looking through those papers, I was still sitting next to my grandfather. And all I could think is, Dad, you can't ask me this. You can't ask me to make this choice. You can't. I don't care if you don't believe it. So I looked through the papers. I looked through the folder. I saw that my grandfather was enlisted in the Navy in World War II. He served on the USS Enterprise, the most decorated warship on the United States Navy. And then I slid the folder back to him. And I told him, I said, uh, your father left us with nothing. There's no property to divide. There are no investments to squabble over. He rented his home. He had his garden out back. But he left us with these stories. Mm -hmm. And then he left a grandson. He's going to tell his great-grandsons that he was or two hero. He was shot down three times. He survived two pilots. And he survived to raise one healthy family. 